I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Well, I think I watched the greatest comeback in sports history. And I'm pretty sure I'm watching the greatest collapse in sports history. The first was Tiger Woods winning the Masters 14 years after his last victory at Augusta and 11 years since his last major tournament win. Then the Tampa Bay Lightning lost to Columbus 3-1 to go down three games to none in the first round of the NHL playoffs. A series sweep in the first round after tying the NHL record for wins in the regular season? How did this happen? And speaking of teams with the best regular season record in their sport, how about the Tampa Bay Rays? They own the best record in baseball, and they win their fifth straight series to start the season, this time at Toronto, to end their road trip 7-2. and We've got all that and so much more on just what was an unbelievably busy weekend on Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Burstyn. Hey, if you'd like to be a sponsor of this podcast, we've got some new ways you can do that. Our advertisers are showing great success, and you will too. Now, here's what you do. For information, contact us on Twitter at SportsDayTV, or you can reach me at Twitter on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. We'd love to have you sponsor a portion of this podcast. Get in touch with us today. All right, Steve. Um, I think we have to start with the Tampa Bay Lightning, although the victory by Tiger Woods uh, is a show unto itself, although we'll get to that. And, of course, the Rays with the best record in baseball. How about that? Speaking of teams with best records. But let's start with uh, with the Lightning. They go down three games to none. This game, they played a little better in the third period, I think. you know, well, It was nice down. to see them show up for the first time since the first period of game one. It really was. And, and, and if you're keeping score at home, until that goal – they have been outscored 11 to one, you know, until the Lightning scored uh, at that point since the first period of the first game when they were up three nothing. But that's neither here nor there. Look, they were without Nikita Kucherov. We know that Victor Hedman was not able to play. I, I assume that's a, kind of a carryover from maybe his earlier what what people presume to be a concussion. So you know, clearly when you're missing the MVP of the league and arguably the best defender in in hockey. That's that's not going to bode well for your team. Ryan Callahan was playing. A lot of people have been asking for that. But it, it really wasn't much of a different story as far as the game went. I think, uh, you know, Columbus certainly dominated early. I thought Andre Vasilevsky played the best game of, of, of this series that he's played and really kept them in it. And they had a chance. I mean, look, Columbus laid back. I, I know there'll be a lot of talk, and, and Lightning talked about how they felt like they felt like themselves and maybe they found a way to break the structure and that they were being creative again and using their skill and they'd gotten away from that somehow. Um, and they did have some really good chances and did score a goal in the third period. But this is, this is hard to watch and, and really inexplicable in many ways that a Lightning team that just a week ago, I mean, I was sitting up here uh, with my family uh, eating uh, lunch one day uh, last Saturday, a week ago Saturday, watching this team unbelievably have the tie for the best record in hockey and now um, they're on the brink of elimination and and what and we can discuss this because we had a question about it and what may be 
the the biggest collapse in modern sports history, and I'll tell you why that is in a minute. Yeah, it's hard to think of one that might be bigger, assuming that they get swept. I mean, you're right. talking a team that, for all intents and purposes, people were talking about as one of the greatest NHL teams of all time. And to get swept in the first four games of the playoffs would be a historic collapse. I can't think of too many others you could compare it to. I mean, we, we've seen President's Trophy winners and, and NBA teams with number one seeds lose in the first round, but not have the same regular season that the Lightning had and not be dominated the way they have in the playoffs. I mean, you know, we, we talked about for weeks leading up to this that if the Lightning's played their game, it's hard to envision a team that's going to beat them four games in seven. I would argue the Lightning have played their game maybe two periods in this series. And I'm saying maybe. Because mm. while they scored three goals in the first period of the first game, I didn't think they played great. I, they, no, you you could definitely argue it wasn't, it, you know, it wasn't as good as the score indicated for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, finally in the third period they showed – and I don't want I, – I, when you say showed passion, I don't want to seem like they didn't haven't played with passion at all. But they finally showed like a sense of urgency, mm-hmm. and like and, and by all means you had to at that point. I mean, you don't want to go down three nothing, but they were finally exerting their pressure and exert and, and forcing the play and taking it to Columbus instead of sitting back and getting trapped in the neutral zone by them. And and, and mm-hmm. kudos to Columbus; they're playing a whale of a series. I mean. Oh, they, look, this they is have not changed a fluke. up, and they're playing the Lightning yeah. differently than anyone else has, and the Lightning haven't figured out how to make an adjustment yet. Right. This is not a fluke. And I, and I would say, and I know what you mean about the third period, and they clearly did, did force the issue and, and had Columbus on their heels, and even John Tortorella mentioned that after the game, um, that he didn't like what he saw in the third period, and, and, um, and, and they have some work to do. But I do think that at that point Columbus was trying to make Tampa Bay go 200 feet every time they had the puck, and that was definitely uh, really, part. That was definitely part of it. Is you know, Columbus gave them so an opening. Zone time. They gave them an yeah. opening too because they were playing a little prevent defense more than they Tortorella were. would like. I mean, he's always they said were. safe as death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were, and and you know, Tampa Bay took advantage of that, and they got a goal in the first five minutes of the third period, and it was hairy after that. It really was, uh, and you could see because momentum. You know, momentum in sports is one of those things that's so fragile, and I think we're seeing this somewhat. Um, you know, it's 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 one of the great and bad things about sports, and um, it, it can turn so quickly. Like, why doesn't the regular season just carry over to a dominant postseason in the NHL? Well, you're seeing it because it, just as quickly as it's gained, it can be lost, and I think that's that's the thing that people don't realize about sports that, you know, and again, you credit Columbus for having a good plan uh, coming in, for, for executing that, for, for stopping the Lightning's offense the way they have and bottling them up after that first period of the first game. But by the same token, had, had the Lightning scored another goal and tied this game up, and I think at that point may have gone on and won it, you might have seen, an, you, the Lightning may not lose another game in this series. I mean, it's just really that fragile. But to be down three games to nothing, let's not kid ourselves. This is not going to happen for the Lightning in all probability. I mean, it's extremely uh, rare, um, not not as bad as some of the other sports, but essentially um, not as bad as NBA, Major League Baseball. But I remember Columbus a, last year had a 2-0 lead in Washington, did. came home and lost in double overtime 
game three. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they would have been up 3 nothing in that series, and who knows if Washington goes on and wins the Cup at that point. Absolutely, but this is 3-0, so you're looking at like 50-1. to So it's probably not going to happen. As far as like – and we, you know, we can get into this a little bit as well, but like – and John Romano wrote about this because I want I'm going to mention it. We talked about what would you compare it to. There's really nothing to compare it to. I mean, let's just – you know, if you, look at, if you look at hockey and the 96 Red Wings – uh, who won the 62 games, they failed to reach the Stanley Cup final, but at least they made it to the conference final, right? And they lost to Colorado. Yeah, they, they made it to the conference final. I think there was a uh, there was another really good Red Wings team, I want to say 2005, 2006, I think, got eliminated in the first round. That was they surprising. Did, yeah. But, I mean, they, they weren't at 62 wins or, you know, the That's 128 I mean. so, points where the Lightning was. So apples to apples, another mm-hmm. team that won 62 and didn't win the Stanley Cup at least – and they lost to a, a number two seed in Colorado. And then, you know, in baseball, what do you have? I mean, the, the o, uh, and John mentioned this as well. The 01 Seattle Mariners won 116 games. They didn't win the pennant, but they did lose to a really good Yankees team mm-hmm. um, in a first-round series. So, you know, again. Um, and I don't and think it was a sweep either. No. And in, and in football, I mean, the only thing you can think about is New England, the, the Patriots, you know, were they were sixteen and zero? Right, but I mean, they were in the uh, Super Bowl. But they were in the finals. They were in the Super Bowl, and they were about a minute away from winning the damn thing until the Giants, you know, had the the the, the helmet catch and David Tyree and went on and scored a touchdown and they win it. So you can't, you know, somebody mentioned to me, well, what about the Atlanta Falcons being up, you know, twenty eight to three? Well, that they were in the Super Bowl too, and and no one was necessarily, you know, that was not an undefeated Falcons team or one that had set an NFL record for regular season wins, and they were playing a Patriots team that is and, and continue to become a dynasty. So, you know, again, yeah, it was, it was the biggest collapse in Super Bowl history, but not for a team. I'm sure the Falcons will wear that forever, but, but it, wasn't, it wasn't like on the same scale as this because they, you know, again, they lost, they lost to a – you know, to the greatest quarterback of all time and the greatest head coach of all time, et cetera. But certainly within a game, you could say that, but not not for a season. So the Lightning are in a very dubious company right now. You know, look, I could they win a game in Columbus and then, you know, something happened and they, they win one in Tampa and now it's 3-2 and there's a lot of pressure on the Blue Jackets? Sure, absolutely, that, well, that could happen. twice in the last decade now – NHL teams have come back from a 3-0 deficit to win. The Kings did it, and the Flyers have done it. Sure. It so has, it is it has, possible. It has happened twice. In the, mm-hmm. I think it's happened four times total, but twice mm-hmm. in the last 10 years. Right. So, I mean, that would be in rare, rare air. Uh, and, again, I still maintain that, that that's the way sports is, and if there's a team that's capable just by the sum of their parts, it might be the Lightning. At least that's what they have to hope. We can go back, though, Steve, to, uh, you know, really Friday night. And, you know, another thing that hurt this team, and it just didn't make sense to me, was what what happened with Nikita Kucherov. Like, what what is the mental process? Sure, there's frustration there. But to get yourself suspended in a series that you're down 2-0 late in a game like that, it's kind of inexcusable, don't you think? It is, and he was definitely worthy of that suspension. I mean, you know, as soon as that oh, yeah. hit was made, you're like, he's suspended and deserves it. Yeah, um, you know, you don't want to see that in, in in any sport. Period. No, it's too dangerous. You know, it, and I don't want to say officiating cost the Lightning in this series, but 
officiating in, in the playoffs, and we've talked about this before too, is yeah, why is a penalty a penalty in game five and game 81, but not game one of the playoffs? I don't, I don't, I mean, there was two egregious calls on Sunday night that they missed Clearly. against the Lightning, and, and they've missed calls both ways. I mean, the Lightning got away with some too. Don't, uh, so I'm not, I'm not saying that it's all one sided, but Bobrovsky trips Ernie going through the crease, no call. Mm-hmm. Yanni Gord's mm-hmm. going towards the net with the puck and gets hooked. And it impedes him, slows him down. No call. I, I mean, I don't understand how that's missed. And yet, Kaloran's penalty in the first period was, what'd he do? And, and grant, I mean, officials miss penalties. It, it's, it's part of the game. They're humans. They, they mess up just like players do. But why the whistles get swallowed in the playoffs, I'll never understand it. Well, I, I mean, look, what, what they'll tell you is, um, if they're honest, is this, that they feel like these are the best teams in, in that particular sport and that they got here because they don't commit a lot of penalties because they don't commit a lot of fouls. Um, they know how to play the game. They play it cleanly mostly. Except the Lightning um, are the t- one of the teams that committed the most penalties this season. And they did. And, and that, so that falls down. And then the other thing is, I mean, it's pretty obvious. They, they do not want to be judged as being responsible for changing the outcome of a game and by not being by not calling penalties that there would normally be penalties they are doing exactly that well, exactly i mean um, for 82 games you've played one way and now you're saying okay we're ranking you based on that new but rules. now it's new rules forget what you've done for 82 games and i just i don't understand i don't get it in a league that's trying to increase scoring and this year they have with some of the rule changes things like, but then in the playoffs you want less I n- never understood that. And I, look, I don't want you know if it's a ticky tack foul, okay, fine. But there's so many egregious calls that they let go because they don't want to decide the game. Well, they are deciding the game. Yeah, and it makes no sense. I mean, just intellectually, it's you're bankrupt if you think that when teams are playing at the at full speed and the the, the speed of the game and the intensity ramps up in the postseason because it's do or mm-hmm. die, literally. Uh, not literally, you wouldn't. You know, nobody dies, but I mean, it's it's do or die in terms of your elimination. So it's, it's it doesn't make sense intellectually to think that you're going to have these this many hits and that much intensity, and right. there's going to be no penalties. I mean, tonight, as we do this podcast, um, when the Lightning lost this game, they all referenced it in the post in the post game that the, the the Lightning did not did not have a power play, not one, nope, not one penalty called against Columbus. That's almost impossible to think that Columbus could play a game without committing a penalty, especially at that speed and intensity. It just is. And they weren't whining about it, but they kind of were getting their message across that, look, you know, and when you're, if you're the Lightning that had the best power play in hockey and you never get to the man advantage, that's a disadvantage, you know? Mm-hmm. Doesn't change the fact that Columbus is capitalizing on every single power play they get. But nonetheless, you're right. I mean, to your point, but that – Steve, that kind of goes back to is this team, was this team built for the postseason? Well, if you think back to the trade deadline, we talked about, and and I think you and I both agreed, that we'd like to see them get more depth on the the blue line and get bigger up front. Right. We talked about like a Wayne Simmons type or something like that up front. To get more bulk, to to, to power through – these playoff games, which is exactly why we wanted that. Julian Breezebois decided to stay put with his team. Mm-hmm. And either either he decided that or the prices were just too steep and he wasn't willing to pay the price. Right. I don't know if we'll ever know the answer to that, but they didn't make those moves. And this team, 
you know, is definitely built for the regular season where, the, where they're going to call a lot more penalties, which they take advantage on the power play. But in, in this playoffs, it, it, and, it seemed, and it's not just, like I said, they've missed calls against the Lightning too, and in watching some of the other series, there's a lot of penalties not getting called. And I, I just don't, I don't understand. It can't be individual officials deciding this. It's got to be word from above. It happens in every sport, I'll mm-hmm. tell you that. Oh, sure, it's not, it does. It's not unique to, to hockey, but the same argument can be made and should have been made. Well, we saw it in the NFC Championship game with mm-hmm. uh, the Saints probably yeah. denied a trip to the Super Bowl. And that like, was an egregious that's, call. I mean, that was that's that. an egregious non-call that they've now changed the NFL rules to allow for review of a non-call, mm-hmm. which I think is opening a can of worms they can't even anticipate. But but that is, I think, a byproduct. I just – I don't know that they sit around and talk about it per se. I think it's understood. I think it's I, – I just think the mentality is because, I mean, and it happens at all levels too. It's not just a professional level, believe it or not. I mean, I can remember playing in championships, you know, growing up in high school and, and uh, you know, American Legion baseball and a lot of things, and whether it was umpires, referees, what have you, um, you'll see it in football too. Like they don't want to determine the game, and and to your point, they wind up doing that by letting letting teams get away with so much that it then becomes an advantage maybe for the lesser team. And I don't know that that's what this series has really swung on, but you know when you're talking about how momentum can change with a single goal, maybe maybe that's been a part of it. And maybe uh, the Lightning need to look at how they're built and just you know. I mean, right now their legacy is going to be, you know, the the team that had the best record in hockey and couldn't get out of the first round. I mean, that is, you know, it is <laughs> – their blessing is now going to be their curse, right? Like the thing that their their greatest accomplishment, winning 62 games, could also become the thing that gets hung around their neck for mm-hmm. the rest for the rest of eternity. When you remember this year, it will not be for the accomplishment of – winning the most games in NHL history, it will be for the collapse of a team that won the most games in NHL history. Well, for instance, so we got a question from Malik on Twitter tonight. And he said, you know, this team doesn't have what it takes to win in the playoffs. It's been five years now. What team needs to have this many lessons to win the Cup? They never learn. Now, I'll, I'll disagree some with that. I mean, look, one team wins the Cup out of 31 every year. Yeah, it's hard to win. I was going to go there, too. Sure. But, you know, the way that they – you know, and they, I mean, they were getting beat in the Washington series as far as outplayed, but they had a three games to two lead and then stopped scoring, you know, 34 seconds into the second period of game six. Right. And they've continued that with the exception of that first period of game one. Their scoring's pretty much dried up for this team. Again, you know, now you're talking five straight playoff games of you're going, what's happened to this team? Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, I think it's, a, it, it's fair to question. Is is this team made up properly? Sure. Do they have the right pieces oh, hey. to, to to win the cup? I mean, you know, obviously this year it doesn't appear to be, assuming that Listen, they don't, you know, make a, a 3-0 comeback to win four three. There's going to be a long and detailed autopsy on this season, you can bet, because there always is, to try to figure out, you know, from last year with the Capitals to now and through this playoff, however it might end. What it what that element is they're lacking because clearly, clearly something is is not clicking when they get to the postseason. Now, again, having needing to win one game to go to Stanley Cup playoffs is not a playoff failure. 
um, it's a failure in the Eastern Conference Final against a team that was better than you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and the Caps proved that and went on to win the Stanley Cup. So I, I think that's, that's sort of a different thing. Mm-hmm. There's a couple things that I want to I hit on because, because I, I, think it's, I think it's fair to discuss them. One would be this. Uh, John Cooper has said this several times. And I just want to get your take on it because because I it troubles me a little bit. Cooper has said, "Well, you know, we really didn't have much adversity during the regular season, and this is really the first adversity we've had to face." Okay, this sounds to me an awful lot like an excuse and not a good one, and it's also not true. I seem to remember them losing the best goaltender in hockey. For nearly a month. And Hedman and Palat were both out at the same time with it. Exactly. So how is that not adversity? And furthermore, okay, you're telling me that this team, while maybe there, there weren't and, – and those are <laughs> – I mean, who do you want to lose besides you know the number one goaltender? But as if those weren't bad enough injuries and having to account for those players and win games despite of that, how about just the fact that you were so singularly focused because – this team had been battle tested and and failed to achieve their goal and went to game seven of the Eastern Conference Final, and their 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 focus, what drove them, was their mental toughness and their singular focus throughout the regular season. That hell, they didn't lose back to back games, but what one time in regulation all year long, and they never lost three in a row until just now. Um, and so, I, I it's it's almost saying in in a sense, it's almost calling your guys mentally weak. And while that might be true with the postseason, I suppose it, it doesn't. It doesn't. It, it doesn't sound right to me for a team that has accomplished what this one did. You know what I mean? Like, what is adversity? I mean, adversity is 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 blowing a three to a three to one lead with 15 minutes to go in the first game. I mean, you did that. Adversity is definitely being down two games to nothing in in a series, but. Columbus outplayed you, so I I don't I, I don't know where Tortora or not Tortora I don't know where Cooper is going with this. What, well, what is he? I guess the question is, and coaches use the media for many different purposes. Was was that a way for him to challenge his players? I suppose you're saying they're not mentally tough, or was he just, or was he trying to make an excuse to change the narrative from whatever else that? People want to say, you know, I guess, you, you know, you don't always know the intent behind why coaches say what I they don't. say. I just don't buy it. I think on its mm-hmm. surface is a good soundbite because, you know, what adversity do you have when essentially you know you're going to be in the playoffs since, you know, since the All-Star break and probably the number one seed. But there's adversity. Uh, adversity happens in all sorts of forms. And I, I don't think you go through a regular season without facing it and conquering it as they did. You know, now did they lose their goaltender for the playoffs? No. Had that happened, they could say, "Well, we went through this adversity before." Well, and I don't know if Vasilevsky's playing as well as he did. Well, he's probably not. In the playoffs. He's probably. Although I, I will say that I thought he had one of the better games and probably kept them in it. Well, this was um, his best game of the series, but yeah, but this still doesn't mean he's played well. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the goals against. I mean, it is what it is. Again, I can't get past the fact that you know until they scored in the third period, they had been outscored you 11, know, eleven to one. To one. At that point, um, the other thing is, and there's no getting around this, and and I know it's coming. And uh, like I said, if they lose the next game or maybe the one after that, but they lose the series in five games or 
get swept, certainly. Even though they signed John Cooper to a contract extension, look, there's already people making the comparisons to Tony Dungy. And, and it's, that, a, it's a fair question to ask at this point. I mean, I'm not naive enough to think, and I haven't seen John Cooper's contract, and I'm not, I'm not sure why they – I mean, I think I know why they signed him to an extension so that that would not be the story if this happened, perhaps, or that that wouldn't be a thing that was, you know – or maybe they just believe in him after, you know, I mean, what the hell, he just put up the greatest regular season record since Detroit. So he's won. He's a good coach. Uh, he, he's been in the playoffs a lot. He made it to the Eastern Conference. Finally made it to the Stanley Cup. But he hasn't won it. And, you, you know, at some point when this is all said and done, you can't fire the entire team. We know that. Um, I don't know what his buyout is. I don't know what the contract says. But I'm not naive enough to think that it won't be a discussion. It will have to be a discussion over there. I think everything's going to be fair game. Absolutely. I think you're going to look a lot closer at certain players. Yep. And whether they're going to be on this team long term or not. Mm-hmm. Some of the contracts are locked in, but you know, I mean, they've got they've got a lot of decisions to make. I mean, look, if Julian if Julian Breezebois decides that Cooper's not the right guy, they right. probably have the next coach in house, whether it's Benoit Grew at Syracuse, mm-hmm. or you've got Todd Richards as the assistant coach on this team. Right. Either one of them could be your next head coach if you choose to make a move. Now, right. You know, I, I think a lot Although- goes into it, but the question is: is can John Cooper get them? <laughs> They've been to the Eastern Conference Finals three of the last four seasons. The best record, tied for the best record ever in hockey this season. But they haven't won it. And so, is it coaching? I question some of the moves in this playoff series for for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't like the fact that Coburn and Callahan didn't play games one and two. I haven't seen many adjustments being made by this team. Now, whether that's coaching or the players – yeah. Not, you know, I mean, Columbus is playing them very differently than what they did in the regular season and very differently than most teams did. And, and I thought Brian well, Engelbaum on TV tonight was showing perfectly in the defensive zone how they're taking away that middle of the ice. Sure. And those forwards are staying up a little more and taking all those passes and opportunities away. The Lightning aren't mm-hmm. adjusting. Nope. Phil Esposito's talked about, you know, especially particularly on the power player even coming in the zone, Columbus is actually giving the Lightning the blue line. They don't take it. Right. They're not adjusting to what Columbus is doing. And, and whether that's coaching the, or whether it's the, just the players keep doing what they've been doing all season, I, I don't know, and I, there's a lot more that goes into it. You don't always know, you know, like in football, you'll talk about all the time where you get upset at a certain player blew a, a blocking assignment on the offensive line, but you didn't know actually what the play actually was supposed to do. You know, we don't always know exactly what they're trying to do or, or – you know, what's been called and what's been coached. I think they feel like they may have discovered something late in that game. I still maintain they were sitting back, but they still, to your point, you could see you could see them taking the blue line because it was being given to mm-hmm. them. And then they were, you know, several players said after the game, look, we got to get back to being who we are, which is we use our skill. Mm-hmm. Um, we use the passing. We, we make it difficult on other teams because of our ability and our speed. And we got away from that. You know, I think there was this mentality of, uh, you know, look, it's a playoffs, chip it deep, go get it, win, you know, get somebody in front of the goal and have a gritty goal, and that's just the way you you got to play. That's the way Columbus wanted them to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so they fell right into the trap, you know. Um, and, and, you know, by the same token, 
it's inexcusable when it's 3-1 with 15 minutes to go. I don't care how you got there. You got to close that game out. And you go back and you look at it, you go, well, they had a, a four-minute power player. They're not supposed to try to score. And they gave up a shorthanded goal. Now it's 3-2. Okay, but still, you need to finish that game and win it. Mm-hmm. And I, I still think that they could have played a different a different way uh, in the postseason and, and know that you know whether it's 3-1, 3-2, that game has to end. Mm-hmm. You got three goals is enough to win a playoff game. It should be enough. It was right. enough for Columbus. They got the empty netter, um, you know, uh, and and that was their three goals. But you know, Columbus was sitting on a on a two to one lead, and mm-hmm. it damn near cost them. Well, and which, if you remember, you know, look, the second goal they got on the power play, which was a bad penalty to take, and and who yeah. took it? Ryan Callahan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex Kalorn so, I mean, took a bad penalty in game one that led to the game. He did. Goal. He absolutely did. And I'm just saying, like, you know, and, and everybody had been calling for Callahan, and, and mm-hmm. okay, that's fine. Who's coming out? I mean, if Andre Palat's coming out, well, he scored the goal. He actually – he played very well tonight. He had, like, five great chances tonight. Yeah, by he, the, he has not had the best season, and, and I don't – you know, I don't know if he's been 100% healthy or not. We do – I mean, he missed some time early in the season for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he had, he had a great game on Sunday night. He did. But this let, let me assure you that there will I mean I assume <laughs> that Jeffrey Venick did not sit back and watch this year thinking that this would happen, okay? No one is probably more shocked and disappointed than starting number 1 with the owner and number 2 with Breezebois mm-hmm. and 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 you know uh you know Cooper I'm sure to a large extent. But if if Vinick is the kind of owner I think he is. I only can compare that. I mean, my wife, as everybody knows, if you've listened to me on radio or that works for Eddie DeBartolo, I assure you there would be people fired. I don't care if it was Bill Walsh. He tried to fire Bill Walsh like seven different times. Finally, Bill had enough, and after he won a Super Bowl and said, I can't take the pressure anymore. So if I'm Vinick, I, I got to have some – there's got to be some answer to this. There has to be some consequence, right? Some Somebody is going to pay for this, and if, whether that's – players and uh, coaches and or combination of there, I don't know. But I can't believe that a guy like Vinick is going to accept this if they go out in the first series. This will not be what he wants his hockey team known for, as great as the regular season was. And and maybe they have the answer on the bench. Maybe maybe Cooper isn't the problem. We'll, we'll see what they decide. Mm-hmm. I always thought, I've always thought it was funny, though, that when um, if there is somebody on the bench that they hire, and this is true, you know, when Lovey Smith got fired. And I know there was a lot of things wrong with Lovey Smith and sort of what he was trying to do, especially on defense and, you know, turning into a family cottage industry in, in a sense. But having said all that, you know, Dirk Cutter got the job. And I've always thought it was interesting. It's like, wait a minute. So the guy who was sitting next to the head coach had all the answers and he just didn't tell the, n- the number one guy? Like, what? <laughs> well, how's that work? Like, no, I know what we should do, but I'm going to wait until you're fired and they hire me and then we'll do it, you know? I mean, I know there's only sometimes one voice can speak, you know, in the room, but uh, it just uh, it always that always tickled me a little bit. But uh, we'll see. I do think it's got to at least be a discussion. And I look, I, I think I think every player and every coach is going to be discussed. I do too, and and possibly the GM as well. Maybe I mean you know because you have an opportunity. They have to make... so much talent on this team, but are they making the right moves? Are they? Do they need to be? You know putting the team together slightly differently or looking at different types of players. I, you know, I think it'll Maybe. all be looked at. I, I don't think the GM's job's in jeopardy, but, yeah. but I think everything else will be, I mean, I think everything will be a value. I mean, you go through a season where you win 62 regular season games and tie the record and 
potentially go out in four games. You know, granted, we're talking like we assume they're not going to come back from 3-0. There's always that possibility. But sure, I think it's all going to be looked at, absolutely. Well, and, you know, it's stark contrast to Columbus, who made a bunch of moves, right, at, mm-hmm. at the end of the regular they, they season. They went for and, it. They had two big free agents that contracts are up, and they decided to acquire more unrestricted free agents. Right, and those guys, by the way, have shown up in the playoffs, too, in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to a guy that's not showing up, and that's Steven Stamkos. Seen Stamkos? Um, seen, yeah, right. It used to be got Stamkos. Now it's like seen Stamkos. Yeah, I did see him. I saw him standing next to a guy who, who put away an easy goal when yeah, he didn't he try blew to that play one. any defense he blew at all. He that coverage on Duchesne. Um, and, and let's face it, he's – so you don't get paid to play defense. It doesn't mean, you know, you have to be like Brent Grimes and say, I don't get paid to play man-to-man. Um, I, I just – look, the lack of scoring in the postseason is there. There's – there's and, and, you know, he's the captain, and, and to some degree, you know, he's, his, his number's going to hang from the Raptors, may go to the Hall of Fame. All of those things are true. But he, he has not been any factor, really. Um, for two years now, really, in the postseason, has he? Yeah, actually, last year in the playoffs, I mean, Stephen Samkos had seven goals in 17 games. He had 16 points. Uh, but he hasn't – I think he scored either game four or game five against Washington. It's the last time he scored in the playoffs. So that's uh, at least five games he hasn't scored. It's been a minute, and I don't think you can go that way without your best player playing great. I mean, I think that's true of any playoff team in general. I mean, your A players have to play like A players and then – you know, you hope you get contributions. There's always a guy that maybe you don't, you know, you don't consider that, that you know, becomes a, a big factor in the postseason. But they just haven't gotten that. And, look, without having Victor Hedman on the ice, that's a huge, a huge loss for them. And then, of course, we mentioned Kucherov's suspension. So this was not even the same team that played games one and two, not even close. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Not even close to the same team that played in 162 games in the regular season. Uh, and yet they may have had their most competitive game in a sense, even though they blew the 3-0 lead. Uh, but since that time, uh, when you know they were down 2-1 to one, uh, five minutes into the third period, so they had a shot. They really did. It's, it's been something to watch. I'll, I'll tell you, I know Lightning fans are disappointed. It's, uh, you know, the postseason, Steve, I always said this, is for the fans as much as anything. They suffer, especially in hockey or baseball. It's a long year. They, you know, they – they ride the the ebb and flow of a regular season, and and um, this has been, you know, sort of a, a historic one. Obviously, a carpet ride for Lightning fans that that they just didn't seem to ever lose. Um, but with the postseason, you're the only game on TV, or at that time, that hour, maybe the only game, and um, everybody, you know, has their watch parties and they fly their flags, and it's really. You know, it's really about the fans. And in Tampa, we haven't had that with the other franchises very much lately with, with the Rays or certainly the Bucks, And so it's uh, it's disappointing. And it's, you know, especially because they created such great expectations, you know, for their for themselves. 
Uh, and of course, I always say this too: no one, believe me, no fan that's listening is as disappointed and as frustrated and as mad, um, and and probably bewildered themselves as, as the guys who have just invested six months and then some of training and sweating and grinding and traveling and and doing all those things to put themselves in position that they were in, uh, and then to see it, you know, in, inside of a week. I mean, again, a week ago Saturday, man, they set, they tied the record, and now here we are talking about a, a, maybe a sweep, an elimination, and then everybody will talk about the President's Cup jinx and all that stuff, and you got to wonder, you know, is that is that pressure really too much? You know, this game, that you can deny it, and everybody does, and they're always asked about it, and they say, no, it's not a problem you know, that was those teams, it's not going to happen to us, and then boom, we go out there and, you know, you either, you become part of that dubious legacy, um, and that's sort of where they're at right now. However, uh, and this is, I'm sure, what John Cooper will be saying to them is, hey, look, we get to write the story, you know what I mean? Like, until, it's the old, you know, ain't it over John Belushi thing, ain't it over till we say it's over, but the truth of the matter is, is that they can make history again. Um, they can be one of the very, you know, two or three teams that have ever overcome a 3-0 deficit. And sometimes it, it takes one goal, you know, a lead, um, a win. You get any kind of win at all, and they can't win three games, you know, when they play again mm-hmm. in Columbus. But if you win a game and you come home to Tampa and make it 3-2, who knows what what pressure Columbus feels at that point. Well, that's the and thing. Who knows is if the, the way momentum shifts. Right. If the Lightning get a win in game four, now you've got to win three in a row, and two of those are at home. That's right. And you they've know, won and, three in a row before. Well, the Lightning and, won seven in a row four times this season. Yeah, right. So it's not like they're not capable of it. Now, sure. the way Columbus has been playing. Tough. Tough. But maybe they figured mm-hmm. some stuff out in that third period. And, and, and while I think Columbus was sitting back some, it yeah. doesn't it doesn't mean you haven't figured out some things and and whether line combinations or things they were doing with the puck, you know. Hopefully, you know Kucherov's coming back for Game Four. Yeah. Maybe you get Hedman back. Maybe right. Strawman's back. I'm not certain on that, but your hope maybe you get one or both of those guys back. Yeah. You know what I think they figured out, and sometimes desperation. I think what they figured out is to hell with it. Let's just go out there and play the way we did all year, our way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That hey, yeah, it's the postseason, and it's, you're supposed to do this, and it's supposed to be the dirty goals, and no one's gonna. You know what? Let's just let it. Let's just let it rip. You know, we're faster. We're we're better uh, when we're playing our style, and you know, you can't always get sucked into what another team wants you to do. You know, you you just have to be yourselves, and I think. It's as much. Uh, it's as much. The guys were talking about that. I think Cooper referenced it after the game. That, you know what? When we just went out there and let it go and let us let ourselves be ourselves, and and you know carried across the blue line with speed and purpose, and um, <clears throat> you know got shots on the net that we we had some really good scoring chances, and I think you're going to see them come out and just do that. You know, because if you're going to go down, you might as well go down the way you want to play. You know. Well, I think that's um, what was so frustrating about game two is you thought you'd yes. see that sense of urgency there and you didn't but they were tentative and i that's the problem mm-hmm. i think they were really tentative they did they weren't themselves you could see it from the minute the puck mm-hmm. dropped they it, were playing they were playing on eggshells they were and particularly once they got down then they really did oh yeah but and, you and, thought they were going to come out very differently i mean i think 
I mean, that was the narrative was that we liked what we did in game one. We know what we did to, to blow it at the end with our puck control and puck management. And that you, you'd see a much more complete 60 minute effort in game two. You didn't No. And that's what was more frustrating. I mean, you know, finally in the third period Sunday night, you started seeing the effort and, and I don't want to mm-hmm. say effort like they weren't trying, but you started seeing the game you thought you were going to see in game two. They look like themselves. They look mm-hmm. like the Tampa Bay Lightning. They look hungry. They, they, yeah, and 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 also um, hard to contain. You know, I mean, they mm-hmm. they were buzzing around, man. They were using their speed. They were, um, you know, aggressive and and playing free. I, I just think that they were too tentative. Uh, certainly in game two, the one the the one that I went to, and you know, for for most of this game, but but there was this sort of acknowledgement that even though they lost. Uh, that they found something in in the uh, third period, and we'll see. We'll see. Maybe that maybe they'll get waxed, and it won't mean a thing, and they'll get swept. But they seem to think that that was the case, and they'll get Kucherov back, and like you said, maybe Hedman, and we'll see. But man, down uh, down three zero. It's a dark, dark and deep and ugly place right now. I mean, just uh, just and, think. So Tuesday night is Game Four. Mm-hmm. If they lose that, that means within a week, the sixty two game season is over. Yeah, because the playoffs started the Wednesday before. In seven yeah. days, you went from best team in the NHL to out of the playoffs. Now that's assuming a loss Tuesday, but yeah. Well, look, John Romano again uh, put it well, um, and he he had this quote. Uh, he led his column with it, I believe, um, after game two. He said, "Look, it turns out the distance between invincible and invisible is not very far," <laughs> uh, and that is that is so true. I mean that that it really is, and and that's the thing about sports, <laughs> you you just you never know, and that brings us to uh, what was the biggest story probably nationally, uh, certainly nationally, uh, in sports, and uh, one that I think was captivating uh, theater in a way was was Tiger Woods winning the Masters, and I I will gladly tell and have said this before. <laughs> Before Valspar, I said he would never win a tournament, and he did last year. He won the last <laughs> tournament of the season. And then after Valspar, I said, well, but I still don't think he's going to win a major. And Tiger Woods has shut myself and everyone else that has ever uh, dare say that. And, and I'll get into why I said it, because I, with me it was more health-related than anything. I just simply th- didn't think that he would be physically able to do it knowing what he had been through. But, look, this was an unbelievable day at Augusta. The only thing that would rival it was was probably 1986 when Jack Nicklaus won his last uh, major tournament and won his sixth green jacket. When, he was, what, 48 uh, when he won 46, that one? 46. 46, okay. 46 years old. And this probably rivaled and or topped it, I believe. It was just unbelievable drama. There were so many scenarios where so many different golfers on the back nine, they always say that the tournament doesn't begin until the back nine on Sunday at Augusta, and that was certainly true. You know, it looked like, uh, you know, for the world that, you know, Tiger, who started in the final group, I mean, they started, the, first of all, they started the final round yeah, screwed up my early whole day. in the morning. Screwed oh, up did. my whole day. I mean, there wasn't a there wasn't an NHL hockey game in the middle of the afternoon. There was one at noon, no. and Lightning didn't start until yeah. 7 because they didn't want to compete with the Masters. Well, right, but yeah, but the thing is, is that the, the real Lightning, which was the storms rolling yes. through Georgia, was going to start, so... right. They moved this up till uh, the morning. Basically, they went with three players, uh, you know, per group instead of two, and they also had a shotgun start on on one and nine, 
Uh, and so it, uh, this thing was crazy because normally the leaders sleep on it and you, you have sort of the morning to piddle around and, uh, and whatnot, but no, they all were off at the crack of dawn. And I think Tiger, uh, teed off about nine twenty. but you know, he went into the final round trailing by two to Molinari and it just, at one point he was trailing by three. It just didn't look like it was going to happen on the front nine. And then just collapse happened a little bit with two. Uh, double bogeys by Molinari, who had not had his first bogey was at, at like his 50th hole of the tournament. I mean, this guy was as solid as he could be, and that's all Tiger needed. Made some great shots down the stretch on the back nine, you know, and and went, winds up needing just bogey on 18 and gets it and wins. Uh, but, but, I mean, the drama that went with that, when you think about the, you know, the surgeries that he has had, I think it's four or five spinal surgeries, fused vertebrae, uh, the different knee surgeries that he's in, encountered, um, the fact that two years ago at the Masters when he wasn't playing but was there for a Champions Dinner, told people that he he was done. That I, he says I'm done. I'm not. Uh, this is over. I'm not going to be able to play anymore. He at one point in his life just wanted to be able to be healthy enough uh, to play soccer in the yard or kick the ball around with his kids. I mean, this was never about golf for him uh, and, until it was. And, and the interesting thing. And the drama that unfolded, first of all, just the, the just the primal scream that he let out when he finally uh, won this tournament was just so unbelievably organic and, and emotional. I mean, he was almost at one point like Jimmy Valvano, you know, back in the day running around trying to see who he would hug next. But uh, was that moment, here we are at Augusta, which is a hollowed ground to begin with, and then he goes to the spot reserved for family uh, sort of off the 18th green, uh, and in the very same place uh, after he won his first Masters and his father was there to greet him, Earl Woods, and he hugged him, gave him that big, great big bear hug that you see on replays all the time, and Earl Woods at that time was only a few weeks from uh, major heart surgery, was told not to fly but came anyway, shouldn't have been there. Uh, you remember that, and that was a son to his father, and now on that very same spot it was a father to his son, Tiger, uh, you know, to his son, Charlie, and, and then later his daughter and his mom was there as well. Um, that was a moment that, you know, would resonate with, I think, most people that have kids and just, uh, it's just an unbelievable comeback story. Now, I'm not going to for, forget that there are a lot of people that don't like Tiger Woods personally that, you know, feel like all the things that happened to him off the golf course with the divorce and the accidents and the drug situation and all that. Those things are all part of him and his story, and he's human. The interesting thing is that his kids, uh, one wasn't even born yet the last time that he won, but mm -hmm. uh, forgetting that, they had never been to Augusta. This was the first time um, that they came, and they did, they did come. He got to share that with them. Uh, and all they've known about golf and, and their father, they knew he was very, very good at it, but all they knew is that it caused him pain. You know, until he won the Masters, all they had seen him do is try to play and fail and get hurt doing it and get you know end up on the ground so to see him go from that to then winning this tournament and be able to experience the that unique roar that is reserved for tiger it was just great for the sport it certainly was good for him but it was different it wasn't you know what i mean like it, it was it was more about the moment that he shared and you know golf gave tiger woods a lot and it it took a lot away from him um, because of sort of the, the you know both the physical and 
the stuff off the course that that uh, it led to. But this was um, captivating television, and I just think uh, everybody that that watches golf that you know enjoys golf will remember where they were when they watched this this Masters. There's nothing like the roar of a golf course when Tiger's in contention. There's not. It's 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 whether you've been there or just watching it on TV, it's different. Mm-hmm. Those roars for him are completely different than anyone else, and it's it's fascinating. And and you know, you mentioned we had these discussions a lot last year. Would he ever win again, or would he win a, a major again? And you really didn't think so. And and what he's mm. did, and what was really cool was all the young golfers that were congratulating him when he went up to Butler Cabin. Yeah, you know, absolutely. these are all guys that watched him growing up, and are, he's probably one of the reasons they're. They played golf or, you know, were as passionate about it as they were. I mean, you know, he's created a generation of, of people that like golf. It was Tiger Woods. Well, and for the first time, and I think we saw this, I mean, uh, you know, just talking about – and Francesco Molinari is actually in his 30s, but uh, – and he's, a, he's also, a, 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 a you know, a champion as far as a major champion goes. But you can't – you know, whether it was – you know, uh, Dustin Johnson that was hearing it or Brooks Kepka. These guys have not experienced that, right? Tiger in contention very much, mm-hmm. uh, let alone in the lead with a two-shot lead. I mean, Kepka had a chance to make birdie, and, and Tiger, you know, that bogey would have probably put him in a playoff and not given him the victory. But, again, the the size, you know, the, the, the noise that you mentioned, the roar – uh, for Tiger doing things, um, uh, you know, when he was making shots, it's unnerving. And I think it unnerved Molinari, who Molinari's story is unbelievable himself. He caddied against Tiger Woods when he won his first Masters, I believe, um, for his brother. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, this thing was crazy. It was like every, you know, it was coming full circle that uh, for one of them, you know, imagine writing that story, right? But it, it just... You can't. The greatness of sports is that you really can't script these things, and uh, to watch it play out over four days, uh, and to see how how that tournament could have gone, that final back nine uh, at Augusta could have gone so many different ways, and so many different players. Dustin Johnson could have won that tournament. Um, Certainly, Kepka could have won that tournament. Shoffley, uh, who finished uh, tied for second, could have won that tournament. There were so many guys down the stretch, and yet it was Tiger Woods making the big shots. And just his experience of knowing where to hit the ball, where to place the ball, he said that he had learned uh, over the last few weeks that he was going to be successful again at Augusta. Could get shape his his uh, you know his his shots off the tee, going left or right, and and uh, was pretty good off the tee. Uh, and his short game has always been very very good, and he putted well. So he put it all together. But for boy, for a Sunday, um, they will be talking about that for a long long time. And I just. I was captivated by it. I thought it was an amazing story in that moment. Uh, and and CBS, CBS did a nice job with Jim Nance. Hello, friends. Uh, who uh, they they cropped in the uh, the picture of Tiger in that very spot, getting the big bear hug from his dad, and the video of that with Tiger then hugging his son, and, and you know just that that juxtaposition. Uh, so many more years later, was uh, was really something to watch. Yeah, and amazingly, too, with this tournament, this is the first time Tiger's won a, ma- a major when he didn't have a, a lead at the 54 Isn't line. that something? Yeah, he had won 14 majors and never came from behind. Mm-hmm. And now that monkey's off his back. So no sooner had he won his 15th major than, of course, the question came up, hey, do you think you can catch Jack? <laughs> Just needs three more. <laughs> look, 
tell me he's not going to be a favorite well, to win Pebble well, Beach, right? He, he I mean, he was he was uh, within you know he was what top five in two of the majors last year. Yes, he was. He had the lead on the final day of the British Open mm-hmm. at the back nine. Yep. So yeah, twice he was in contention on the final day. It's not out of – look, will he ever win another major? You ask me now, I'll tell you, hell yes. <laughs> I would A year ago, nah, I don't think he's going to win a major. Nike did a great job. I don't know if you have a chance to see their, their ad. is fantastic. And uh, there's, another, there's another piece where all the, all the national pundits, certainly not me, but all the national pundits are talking about how he's done. He'll never win again. This guy, he's, he's, a, he's a guy who used to golf – and it's him watching the clips of this, right? Just kind of sitting there watching all of it. It's really fascinating uh, television. But um, man, what a what a Sunday, right? Uh, but before that, or actually, I guess it was after that, it was the Masters in the morning. Then your Tampa Bay Rays took to the field in Toronto for their final series. Boy, what the Rays are doing! I mean, all they do is have the best record in baseball. Is anybody going to finally notice out there in, in Major League uh, Baseball writer land? I don't know. But, yeah, I'm um, sure they're the like way... still like tenth in the uh, you know power rankings for you know most of the national <laughs> right. guys. Well, look, I mean they're and, pitching. And Boston at six and ten is going to be in the top five. Boston and New York are both six and ten, I believe. New York probably six uh, and nine, but yeah, six and nine. Okay, well they're they're obliterated by injuries right now, and yep. I don't know that that's going to change their fortunes anytime soon. Um, but yeah, what the Rays have done, um, completely reversing what they did a year ago is is unbelievable i mean they asked kevin cash after the game how hard is it to win five straight series in baseball it's damn hard and it's even harder when you start the season by doing it and you've got teams like houston and colorado who both made the playoffs to open with and then you go on this bizarre nine game road trip that takes you all the way to the west coast in san francisco for their home opener then to chicago to the white Sox for their home opener where the weather was a challenge and then to Toronto, who battled them, and they took two out of three from Toronto. And, oh, by the way, the White Sox, you know, that team that I said that the, the Rays would win 162 games against, went into Yankee Stadium and did them, um, and, and you know, and won and, and beat the Yankees. So um, this thing is not easy for anybody. But, man, uh, what a start for the Rays. And, by the way, Austin Meadows can mash. Yes, he can. What a road trip that guy had. What a season he's had so far. Yes, Yes, indeed. Oh, there's another guy that they re-signed recently. He ain't too bad either. Of course, Brendan Lau. Yeah, he can mash too. Both of them can mash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they both hit like home runs in the fifth deck in Toronto, which has not happened over the weekend. Yeah, how about how about that? So, uh, Brendan Lau and Austin Meadows hit two shots in the 500 level at Toronto. It's never happened in the same game before, and it happened within five batters. And it's I think incredible. they're only the fourth and fifth left-handers to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely crazy. I think there's only been like maybe uh, a dozen or 14 balls hit up there in, in the entire I think it's in the 20. I think they were the like state. 23 and 24. Is it that but many? Okay. Yeah, but I think there's only five left-handers have done it. Yeah. Though those those were well struck, as Joe Madden would say. And so, um, look, I like everything they're doing. I like I like the way they're pitching. Um, what did you think you know, of pulling Blake Snell after six innings and 82 pitches? On well, I, I look, I'm not fond of that. I, I think – I think that cost him the game. They probably could have won that game one nothing. I mean, had he had he had a no hitter, it sounded like Kevin Cash would have let him go. But uh, he had had back to back games of over a hundred pitches, and this is something that the Rays have decided to do with with a guy like Snell, and that is not blow him out early in the season with a pitch count. So 
I suppose when you manage for 162, you got to stick to your rules, whatever those rules may be. But clearly, um, he could have gone back out there and and you know maybe won that game one nothing. Hindsight's and, always twenty twenty. I mean, if if, yeah. if if they don't blow that game and win one nothing and they pull him out, no one even no one thinks. No twice one says about it. much, right? At the time, though, it was kind of an eyeball razor, but yeah. Yeah, after the game, you knew you were going to get that question. Oh, sure. I mean, it, look, it's it's fair to question it. I mean, only 82 pitches. Normally, he would go longer. It was a tight. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like he was up four nothing in 82 pitches, and you go, okay, right. You know, it was a tight. And he didn't game really run. have jams. There were no mm-hmm. jams either. It wasn't like he was pitching high leverage innings. He had know? no hit him through the first five innings. Right. They didn't get a hit till that sixth inning. So. Yeah, struck out nine. I mean, he was he was rolling. His ERA, by the way, is now I think uh, just above two or below. And he's after giving up five runs in the opener to the Astros, um, he's given up zero or one, I think, the rest of the way. So he was impressive. Charlie Morton probably should have got the win, if not for an error by uh, Willie Adamas. He probably would have gotten out of that inning. He didn't. Uh, he didn't pitch that great on Sunday. I mean, he battled. He did not. He did not. But he got out some jams. Yeah. Um, but that probably cost him at least a victory in, in the win column. But nonetheless. The Rays win the game, and um, now they're again, home for nine games. So they have a long homestand now to, you know, take advantage of this twelve and four start and, and build on that. I mean, every team in the AL East is below five hundred except the Rays. It's incredible, and they got a chance to separate because they've got the Orioles uh, first up at Tropicana Field, mm-hmm. followed by the Red Sox. Yep, uh, who are also scuffling. So I'm sure the Red Sox are looking at it as a, as a chance to you know gain some ground, uh, but the Rays have a great opportunity to really. Um, pad their lead, which you just don't do in April. You just don't run away from teams like this. But it's just sort of conspiring that if if they take care of their business, they're they're really starting to get a nice lead. Well, it's you know, hey, the Lightning had the best regular record in the regular season this year. The oh Ra- no, the Rays are the best record in the regular season in baseball right now, thanks to Houston, who swept the Mariners. So Houston, by the way, is ten and two since that series. And yeah, they're pretty field. good. Uh, so yeah. that that's a really that was a really good series win. The Tampa Bay Rowdies are undefeated. I was at that game Saturday night against Louisville, which uh, the goalie McCarthy had a phenomenal game, and the defense let him down in the 88th minute, which caused a 1-1 tie. But um, that was good. So good things ahead for the Bucks, right? <laughs> uh, well, they hope so. Um, you know, the new draft coach, is, new, you is know. close. Yeah, I mean, he's here He's here to win right now. Yeah. Look at – you can say this about the Bucks. At least they don't disappoint you in the post postseason, right? I mean, you know, there's, I mean, you don't have to worry about being let down because they never get there. So it's been what eleven straight years without being in the tournament and back to back five and eleven seasons. So I don't know what everybody's expectations are for the Bucks. I know theirs are very high, but um, they don't have the problem that the Rays and the Lightning deal with. Oh, if they only had that problem, Steve, how they would how this, they this would is uh, the year, embrace Rick. This that. This is the year, Rick. Is this the year? Well, I mean, hey, you got you got a new coach that everyone seems to be pretty high on. And yeah, they he's are. had proven success in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You got a quarterback now in his fifth season. Yep. You do have weapons. You need some help on defense, which you hope they'll address in the draft. Some. Well, <laughs> okay. You know, you got Todd they're, they're gonna address some issues. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You think Todd Bowles is better than Mike Smith? Granted. Uh, you know, I don't know if he's better than Mark Duffner, but I think he's better than Mike Smith. Yeah, you hope. Although switching schemes could be tricky sometimes. Yeah, it's so. not. As tr- yeah, so it'll be okay. Yeah, no, I mean, well, but personnel wise, sometimes you have to change. There's your some shifting a around bit. that goes yeah. right, yeah. right. But I mean, look, I mean, they have weapons, they have pieces. I mean, they showed you in the first couple games last season when they were 
scoring a lot of points and, and and winning. I mean, you know, except for three passes in a row by Fitzpatrick, they could have been three and zero. Yeah, having given up forty and thirty three. Sure, but <laughs> but nonetheless, you know, it doesn't matter how much you win by how much you give up. It matters whether that's you win true. Or lose. One more point than the other guys is what they say. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get into the Bucks uh, certainly this week. We are we're just what T minus uh, a little days. over a week away from Ten the NFL from the draft. draft. If you can believe that, um, goodness gracious, the Bucks picking. Fifth overall, I'll be writing about it all week long in the Tampa Bay Times. I think Jason Light's going to be available one day over there to tell us absolutely nothing about what they're going to do. I'm going to do your Jason Light. Uh, I'll save you all time for the press conference. We could move up, but we could move down, or we could stay right where we're at and get a good player. At we're, we're going to take so some good players in this draft. and <laughs> That's right. It's a good draft. There's a lot of good players, and mm-hmm. they just happen to fit our needs because we need defense, and boy, there's a lot of defensive players in this there draft. Is Look a lot how of lucky we players. are. There really are. I know this about the Bucks is that they – my guess is they'll pick fifth or, or very close to it. I don't think they're going to trade back more than two or three spots. But they're going to get a, they're going to get a, very, a, a great player. Um, if they move back too far, they would get a very good player. I think they're going to go for great – potentially great and then uh and and stay away from the very goods because you don't want to ever be in the position of t- picking in the top five again but if you're there you should take advantage of it full advantage so i think this year there's at least a consensus five six maybe seven players that could all be great players in their day you don't know for sure obviously but i think they're like i said it's a consensus and then after that there's there's a lot of really good players and there's guys that could help them and help them right away uh, it's just a question of again who's coming up, who, how far you have to move back. Are there a number of guys you you feel like are in the same kind of class in terms of their abilities? But I still will lean heavily, and we'll get into this later. You know, in the week that um, uh, you know that failing somebody like Quinn and Williams falling to them uh, from Alabama, the defensive tackle, they're most likely going to take LSU linebacker Devin White because I just don't think that he's going to be gone before they pick fifth and and or sixth or seventh, and, and so... Um, but couldn't you know, Devin White such... fall further than that? I don't know that he will. I don't think the defensive um, lineman that we've talked about will, but but yeah, Devin, Devin I, White could fall to even nine or ten or... Eh, it's possible, in that, and so you'd have to calculate that if you move back, if that's the It may depend on how many quarterbacks have. go early, too. That's the thing. Like, if somebody comes to them at number five, they won't be coming, I don't think, for defensive linemen. I mean, they could... They could potentially be coming up for another defensive lineman that maybe maybe you deem not worthy of that pick. I don't know why you would think that if somebody else wants, say, Ed Oliver at five, why you would think he wasn't worth number five. But um, but most likely coming for a quarterback, whether it's Dwayne Haskins or you know Andrew Locke or somebody like that. But assuming Kyler Murray goes first, then those guys get pushed to you. Um, to me, to me, and we'll, we'll get into this more this week. But to me, like Quentin Williams makes a lot of sense just because you know Gerald McCoy's not going to be here, and can you imagine having him and Vita Vea, you know, together for the next five to ten years in the middle of that defense, as, and he's a perfect three technique. So, um, you know, that would be, you know, get the best defensive lineman in, in college football. That would be appealing maybe over over a Mike linebacker. But, again, you must they must think, and the consensus was when I was at the owners' meetings that, yes, Devin White is worthy of a number five overall pick that he's that talented. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see which way they go. We'll hear from Jason Light this week for sure. I'll have draft coverage uh, online at TampaBay.com. I'm doing a lot of draft profiles right now that are on there. 
You can go read those about Will Greer and some other people uh, that the Bucks have talked to, um, not necessarily first-rounders, but uh, we'll be doing those as well as we get through the week. So lots going on as well as, well as um, you know, the Lightning have to pick up the pieces now and figure out to win a game. Can they win a game in Columbus, or will the Blue Jackets close it out in game uh, in game four and sweep sweep the Lightning and then make for just as gonna, what's going to be a wild How uh, about that if you're Columbus? You've never won a playoff series before, and you might sweep a team that tied for the most wins ever. It's incredible. It's it's just it's literally incredible. I I don't think that they. But you know what they they went for it. Like you said, they made the deals. Uh, they had a very short time to to mesh. Duchesne, some of the guys you know are, are really stepping up. And John Cooper, you could argue, has not matched the guy that won the Stanley Cup in Tampa Bay uh, right now in in uh, Tortorella. So we can't say coaching doesn't matter, right? I mean, it can't. If you're going to credit Cooper and the 62 wins and all, you have to credit what Tortorella is doing right now with his team. No, I, I mean, John Tortorella has done a masterful job. And, and, you know, remember, I mean, Columbus, first of all, finished with 98 points, which is, which is a lot. And, you know, to be yeah. the eighth seed in the, in the East at 98 points is incredible. But also, just barely this, made it, right? Well, yeah, they were the last team in, but this wasn't yeah. the team that, that was there all year. I mean, they had a lot of pieces that have finally started Brilliant. gelling in the last couple of weeks. I mean, this yeah. is better than a typical eight-seed team. Right. Um, and that's not to make excuses for the Lightning, because the Lightning no. are the most talented team in the NHL. But, right. you know, this team does have a lot of pieces and a lot of players playing for contracts, too. They won seven out of eight entering the playoffs. And um, not only do they have John Tortorella, you know what's helping them on special teams? How about Marty St. Louis? Mm-hmm. Boy, that's got it. You know? Yeah, you're <laughs> the Lightning. You've given up four power play goals in this, <laughs> in this series. Oh. And they credit him. Eduardo Encino wrote a story mm-hmm. about it. Like they, they credit Marty for, for kind of changing the way they think about the power play and how they move the puck and different things. But um, whatever they've done, it's working. And yep. like I said, confidence, sports is all about confidence. We saw it in Tiger Woods' victory. We've seen it with the Rays and their start. And we're not seeing it now with the Tampa Bay Lightning in the postseason. So all of that will uh, will play itself out. Hey, real quick, too, I know we're not big NBA guys, but Orlando Magic won their first playoff game at Toronto. Right. So mm-hmm. the game two will be Tuesday night, but they take a 1-0 series lead there. So that was good for the Orlando Magic, who haven't been in the playoffs in several seasons. So Yeah. No, I, I was surprised they even made the postseason, and to get a win at Toronto was uh, pretty impressive. I, I really have – I mean, we're into the playoffs, but it's, it's strange to me because I don't really – follow the NBA for some reason until um, they get to almost the, the the conference finals. I'm not sure why that is. Well, just so you know, LeBron so... James is not in the playoffs this year. <laughs> He's not. That's okay. That, I got so. that. Okay. Uh, the Golden State Warriors are, though, right? Uh, yes. They uh, <laughs> so... beat the Clippers on Saturday, 121 to 104. So, Yeah. So they're going to be okay. Um, so I would I would expect to see them in the finals. And, and then my, you know, we're big uh, – uh, Milwaukee fans, because you know there's the Greek freak, and he's he's going off. So that's, uh, yeah, the, that's yeah, the, I like uh, the pit. They destroyed the Pistons, by the way, one twenty-one to eighty-six. But Charles Barkley, uh, in typical Charles Barkley fashion, commenting that uh, <laughs> Joe Dumars and Isaiah Thomas are rolling over their <laughs> graves watching this Pistons team play. <laughs> well, that's crazy. That's terrible. The only thing is, they're not uh, dead. They're not. No, clearly, that's Charles though, man. He's a beauty. <laughs> oh, he's he's Love he's wildly entertaining. He really is. 
Well, I hope this podcast was entertaining for you. And uh, again, if you'd like to uh, sponsor this podcast, there's new ways you can do that. Just contact us on Twitter at SportsDayTV or reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. My email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. For Steve Burstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.